Do you want to stay more focused on the right goals in your life or even just figure out what the right goals are for you? Do you want clarity? Do you want better work-life balance? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to Success Through Failure. Welcome to the Success Through Failure podcast, the show that reveals failure as your path to success. You'll listen to intriguing interviews with some of the most successful people on the planet and learn how their failures became a launchpad for success and how yours can too. Here's your host, former Division I All-American wrestler, former Division I head coach, speaker, and personal coach, Jim Harshaw. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. Today, I bring you Kindia Riley. Do you feel out of balance in your life, like your family and your work are your priorities, but you don't have enough time in the day, so you're shortchanging them both? Not to mention wanting to work out more or, or do more of the things that you love. Are you easily distracted and you want to be able to stay more focused so that you can lock in on the most important things that you know you should be doing? You want to be more consistent so you can achieve those goals that always seem just out of reach. Or maybe you feel like you just lack the motivation that it takes to get there. Or maybe you're just not clear on what the right first step actually is. Like every time you're about to take action, you doubt whether or not it's the right action or the right goal. I know the feeling. I've got a wife and four kids, I have a job, a rental property, this podcast, not to mention the inevitable challenges that just come up with life like you know illness and struggling family members or car trouble. I've got a lot going on. But when I was a Division I All-American athlete, I was completely locked in. I was focused. I was balanced. And I knew exactly what I wanted and the steps that I had to take to get it. But when I got into the real world, things got a lot more complex. There's just a lot more time demands. Like everything seems to be a priority. How are you supposed to figure out what's the right next step for you? Well, I've developed a system that helps you do just that. Find the balance, the clarity, the focus that you're looking for so you can take your life to the next level. So you can start seeing the dreams that are in your mind as realistic goals and have a plan to achieve them. I've opened a few spots on my calendar for free 30-minute strategy calls so you can take that first step toward the life that you've always dreamed about. Just one simple step, one small commitment that will give you huge results, a simple phone call that will leave you with a plan. If you want this life, if you want to truly have a breakthrough, claim one of the few spots open on my calendar and I'll share with you the formula that has had people who I work with saying things like one of my recent coaching clients, Frank, who said, my only regret is that I didn't do this 20 years ago. Or like Isaac, who said, I love this version of myself the best and I'll do anything to keep it going. I've got dozens more quotes like that. If you want to feel the same way, go to jimharshawjr.com slash apply. That's jimharshawjr.com slash apply. Kindia was just three years old when both her mother and father were arrested and sentenced to life in federal prison. For the longtime Success Through Failure podcast listeners, you know that I typically will read the rest of the bio, kind of go through the rest of the bio at this point, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that for this episode. Kindia's story is so amazing uh, that I want it to come from her. I want you to hear her story the same way that I heard her story. She spoke at an event um, about a month or so ago that I'd attended, and 
it was just absolutely amazing. Everybody was blown away. I was actually the only guy who gave a standing ovation. I was the I was the lone guy standing up in the middle. I did not care. I was just blown away by your story, Kindia. And I'm so excited that you made time to come on the show. So Kindia is a fourth year at the University of Virginia. And by the way, for those of you who are not Wahoos like Kindia and I, uh, We don't call them freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. We go first, second, third, fourth year because uh, really senior doesn't mean uh, your your learning doesn't end. So you're just a fourth year and you're learning. And uh, anyway, that's Thomas Jefferson's philosophy. So, But for the listener, as always, if you don't have time to listen to this entire episode or if you hear something you like but you don't have a chance to write it down, make sure you grab your free copy of the action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. Kindia, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, let's do this. Let's just start from the beginning. Can you can you tell us your story? Kind of in the same way that you shared that story just a few weeks ago. Can you tell us, you know, take us back. You know, I really I only gave the listener just a small piece of that. You know, you're three years old and your mother and father were arrested and sentenced to life in prison. Can you take it from there? Absolutely. Um, I always frame it as being in a nutshell because there are so many intricacies to yeah. it. So in a nutshell, the timeline starts with in 1997, I was born. I was with my mother for about two to three years. On the third year, um, both of my parents were indicted to federal prison. My mother gave power of attorney to my grandparents, and that's nearly my grandmother, my grandfather, and my sister ended up living with us as well. My sister, Megan, was, I'm not sure how old she was at the time, but she had cerebral palsy and All the responsibility basically was put on my grandparents. Um, And as time went on, I went through school. I had behavioral issues. There were so many different parts of it. And then in 2011, my grandfather passed away. And in 2015, my sister passed away that January. And my grandmother passed away two weeks before I graduated. So in that time span, it was my parents were still in prison. My mother's only monetary source um, was cut off since my grandmother passed away. She was unable to see them at their funeral. Her and I weren't able to communicate. And at 17 years old, right before I'm graduating high school, I was left by myself to basically fend, finish school and go to college without any type of income system or parental supervision at all. All right. So let's, Kendi, I'm going to uh, just sort of interject right here because just amazing, right? So, so for the listener, just take yourself into that. So she shared that, that part of her story so far in just a couple of minutes, right? But there's a lifetime of stories and lessons and pain that, that were part of all of that, right? So you're being raised, Kindia, by your grandfather and your grandmother and your sister, and they're raising your sister as well. And in 2011, your grandfather passed. I mean, what was that like? That had to have been another just shock in your life, right? Yes. Um, it was, for me, the first death I had ever encountered. Um, and like having my parents away, that was a very kind of cognitive issue, like a cognitive absence. But for my grandfather being the head of the household and the person that was in charge of funds and everything, for him to pass away, it automatically put all the responsibility on me. It was as if we had a shift. So I became the person in charge of taking care of my grandmother and my sister, which 
had me basically end up having to um, go and get a job in 10th grade. And wow. What kind of work did you do? Um, I worked at a restaurant and a yeah. library for about two and a half, three years. So I would go to school from seven to three. At three thirty, I would drive down the street and I'd be at work until about ten or eleven at night. Wow, wow! So, and that's basically when he passed. That was the first thing that kind of put that weight on my shoulders to be in charge and to help take care of everybody, including myself. Yeah, and then a few years after that, you lost your sister, right? Yes. That was more traumatizing because for me, it wasn't as if I was a con- like I was used to that type of death at that point. It was another like, oh my goodness, I'm about to graduate. Why is this happening? Yeah. And my grandmother, that situation just increased the severity of her sickness because she wasn't even aware that she was sick. Um, and my grandfather had passed from liver cancer. My grandmother passed from pancreatic cancer. My sister oh. just had respiratory issues. So wow. there was this ongoing and seamlessly like stream of cancer that was happening. Um, so once my grandmother, when my sister passed, it just heightened everything for her. And that's when she found out she was sick about a month after. Wow. And so you're 17 years old and your parents are in prison your grandfather passes, your sister passes, your grandmother passes, and you're left alone. So where are you at this point? You're in, tell us where, where, what town this is and, and whereabouts. So I'm in, I was at Heath, well, in Heathville, Virginia. Um, I was at Northumberland High School. And that, that's where? Is that Southwest Virginia? That is in the northernmost peninsula of Virginia. They call it the Northern Neck. Oh, right, right, right. Um, and it's right on the coast. It's like literally the very rural and like the middle of nowhere, I usually call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what's the, yeah, what's the town like? Um, so it's super small. Um, I wouldn't say they have very high poverty levels, but it's just very confined. Everything is very far away. Um, but in terms of people, everyone there is very supportive and it's a very close-knit community. Yeah. So did you have... You, you you lost your family, you know, at that point who w- was raising you when your mom and dad are in prison. So what happened next? So immediately when everybody passed, it was like it happened and everyone was more so shocked that my sister had just passed in January. And then here I was like, oh, you know, channeling through this. And then my grandmother passed and it was more so for guidance counselors. They were like, who is she living with? And that was all that she had there. So for me, it was like everyone was more so so astounded at what was happening that no one knew what to do. And yeah. it was such a, a situation that was not commonplace at all. And even trying to reach out to, you know, try to see what my parents could do, they didn't really have any autonomy in it either. So I was very much by myself. Um, everything that was in reference to the house was getting put on me. Any bills or debts or anything was getting put on me. Um, my aunt was around to help and she delegated most of the stuff with like the will and things as so. But for me, it was like, you know, if you're going to stay here, you have to figure out how to pay for things. You have to figure out how to manage yourself as an adult. But I was only 17. So I only had so much space and wiggle room. Yeah, and sure. That it was when you graduate, where are you going to go? Yeah, and and how at this point you're you're wondering where you're going to live and how you're going to get through the next day, month, year, let alone 
college? How, how, how did you continue to think about maybe college isn't even an option right now? Um, it really turned into a sink or swim situation where I ended up having to put myself in the shoes of, am I going to be homeless? Am I going to be hungry? Or am I going to utilize the resources I have in front of me? So I reached out to UVA. I told them, I my grandmother has passed. I just graduated and I'm living in a house that they are telling me I have to pay property taxes to stay, all these different bills, and I do not have anything. And UVA automatically took me right in and they put me in this transition program. They gave me housing. They gave me food. And then after that first year, um, well, that first summer, I went back and gathered all my things from the house two weeks before the semester started, grabbed my things, came back, started my first semester very strong and with a lot of support systems. And I always say, like, without UVA, I have no clue where I would be who I would have become. And it really was a le- like legitimate resource for me. And wow. that first year, I was like, they were asking where I was going to go because I had no home to go back to. In that instance, Charlottesville became my home because they said, we'll give you an apartment. We will help you. This will be a place for you, like a safe space for you. Wow. So why not, when you're 17, you graduate and you're thinking, I don't want to be homeless. You know, I want to know where my next meal is coming from. Why not? Why not just get a job? Um, more because I knew that I had other things that were there and in place for me. And college was also a default for me. Going through even the simplest way, my parents when I first found out that they were in prison, which I was in second grade. And my, my grandparents had told me, hey, you know, your parents work for the government. And it was very interesting because they would call and it would say, this is a call from a federal prison. And I would answer and I never questioned it. And then the one time I did, my grandmother was like, you know, your mom works for the government. All, like your parents are, you know, spies. They're working in this federal agency. And then I went on the bus and a kid was like, you know, that's why you don't have anyone because your parents are in jail. And I couldn't understand the concept. How old were you at this time? Hmm? And how old were you then? At that point, I was about seven, seven or eight. And I couldn't figment my mind around that. And when I came back, I asked again, and my grandmother was like, yes, your parents are in prison. And everything after that was kind of like, I tumbled and I fell. And I was like, I don't know how to deal with this. And I thought if I got in trouble in school that I would end up going to prison with them. And then I got sat down. They were like, that's not going to happen. So the best way, like your best option is to get through school because they didn't want me to become a part of the system either. So school became that safe hole for me. It was my foothold. And I knew that my education would take me places because it was continuously giving me opportunities to get away from home or be able to just get out of the house and eat or have electricity or like days where I would know like, okay, maybe I might not be able to wash up at home. I can go to school and do all these things. And I knew that if through high school, if it took me that far, why stay home if I could go to college and use and utilize these resources and have this bigger opportunity that would have me somewhere and take me longer in the long run. Wow. So how's college going for you? amazing. Um, I came in with a lot of extra credits from high school because I was taking a lot of dual enrollment classes. So I'm basically graduating early. I'm leaving with my bachelor's and my master's at the same time. And 
an abundance of experience that I can't even begin to explain. Talk about some of those experiences. You've you've been on I've, you know you've been on CNN. You've spoken I think at Google if I'm not mistaken. I know you've spoken at multiple Ivy Leagues. Um, Tell us yeah. about some of these experiences and how they came yeah. about. Um, the so the first year that I came here, I started a GoFundMe um, because everything was piling up. I was very unsure of how even with UVA help how I was going to pay for just simple things like toiletries and yes, I have a space, but how am I bathing myself? Where am I getting my clothes from? Um, and I made a GoFundMe account and told my story. It got it, the news station caught wind of it. And in that moment, um, that Sunday, like that Sunday I made it, that Tuesday, my dad was interviewed by Humans of New York and everyone started posting my GoFundMe under that. So that was like a very, like, I guess, um, a situation that got me a lot of publicity. And in that, a woman named Topeka Sam reached out to me and said, hey, you have a story and you have a voice and we need to tell it. Um, Would you be willing to travel with me? And for me, since my situation was very normalized, I was like, why does my parents being in prison have any effect on anyone else? Like, that's normal for me. Like, I was used to visitation rooms. I was used to just kind of being by myself and taking care of others. So she said, tell your story. You have a voice. So this needs to be heard. I had no clue how to deal with that. And um, the first place that I ended up going was I went to Vanderbilt and told, I spoke with her on a panel of five people about the effects of mass incarceration on their family members and children. And I sat and it was literally therapeutic where I was like, oh my gosh, like she was like, you know, how did this make you feel? And it was like a revelation for me because I was like, wow, it actually made me feel abandoned or it, and like, it was just that instance that kind of got the ball rolling. And I ended up going to Loyola University. Then I ended up speaking at Yale um, for an advocacy for criminal justice reform um, retreat that they had there. Um, I've been to American University. Then from that, I started working with Google to do different partnerships with Van Jones, Teen Vogue. I've done some things with Cory Booker, just everything around advocation for children and families of incarcerated individuals and how that affects them on a level of resources and education. Um, I recently did about last year, a CNN video about a mother's love and how you can still facilitate a connection as a parent between you and your child while still in prison and how that works through phone conversations and emails and letters without that physical component. Wow. And how are your parents doing? Did I hear your mother maybe has an opportunity to to get out? Yes, she does. So um, my mother has a release date of March the 14th, 2022. She is currently working to bring that back down. But um, and as I um, detailed in the CNN video that I did, it's been a lot of My education also has been something that allowed me to navigate legal vernacular. So being able to read or comprehend things better to help my mother like write and edit motions and read law books for her. So a lot of that um, responsibility got delegated on me as well because my grandmother was so elderly that she wasn't capable of reading different motions and such. So I was able to sit and read law books for my mom and file motions for her and just send in different things. And 
around, I want to say it was about 20, maybe 2014, 2015-ish, she got her life sentence removed and they brought it down to 2024. We put in another motion that knocked down another two years. And now we've been trying to figure out different ways to get the rest of it off because she shouldn't be there. And for my dad, it's a, it's a different narrative. And it's like navigation wise, it's a little bit more difficult. But we've been trying our hardest to try to get both of them home. Wow. Kendia, this it's just what incredible what an incredible story. Uh, for the listener, I'm going to post her GoFundMe um, in the action plan. So make sure you grab your copy of the action plan, jimharshawjr.com slash action. Um, want you to have access to that um, because her, her story is still being written. And what an amazing person or everything she's been through and, and just it's it's so interesting to to hear this story and go a little bit deeper with you in this interview, Kendia. Um, so, what's next for you? So, I am currently I apply for a couple fellowships to try to stay in the Shawsville Albemarle community and teach here. Um, I am currently in the master's program at Curry for elementary education and. It really, as I mentioned before, and I can't stress it enough, education has been such a big part of who I am that I could never see myself not giving back to that and trying to be as impactful of as the teachers that impacted me through school. Um, and I hope to stay in this area because I've built great relationships with the community and just the overall staff here. So It looks a lot like me being here and trying to change the school system to accommodate children like me and just to be there and be a lending voice and a guiding light for students. Man, amazing. You're going to make a big impact. I know it. Um, Can you tell us a little bit, Kendia, about what habits you have that have helped you navigate this Um, and maybe you know, especially getting through college or maybe it's even earlier than that in your life. But I mean, is there a habit or any habits that you feel that you have that have helped you find success despite all the obstacles you've had? I always refer back to when I was in third grade, we used to have this thing called Citizen of the Week. They'd pick a character trait about your like you or you'd pick one for yourself. And my character trait was always determination. And any interview I'm in, I say the same thing like applying for jobs and such, I'll say, you know, I am determined. And determination doesn't just have to be will to do one specific thing. Determination is the will to do everything. You wake up and you're determined to get through the day. You're determined to brush your teeth. And the simplest thing where it's just your willpower and autonomy. And for me, I think having that at the forefront of my mind for everything and remembering that I am a determined being and reminding myself in the hard moments that you are determined. You have the willpower to do this. You have the capability to do this and you have every right to do this. Um, I think that's probably my most important habit. Um, Secondarily, affirmations and always reminding myself of my potential and what I have capability to do. And when I am in a spot where I feel like, you know, I cannot do this, I will step back and get in the middle of myself and say, this is what you've done thus far. Why can't you do this? Wow. That is so cool. So for the listener, I want you to understand that, that she chose the word determination, right? She assigned that word to herself and she could have assigned any, any number of words or descriptions to herself. And, but, but she chose the word determination 
And, and then the second thing is affirmations. You, you know, so many times we try something and we fail, right? We, we have, or we have reasons and excuses that we can use to say, well, here's why I can't succeed because of blank, because of this obstacle, because of this adversity. And there's not too many people who can top Kendia's story in terms of reasons not to succeed. Um, but she's chosen a different way to think about things. She's chosen affirmations. She's chosen determination to be, to label herself as determined. And she's chosen to identify those moments of doubt and say, wait a second here. I don't have to go down that path. I don't have to quit. I don't have to acquiesce. I don't have to lower my goals. I don't have to lower my settings and my standards. I'm actually going to keep plowing forward. I'm going to be determined because look what I've done. And I'm talking to you again, the listener, look what you've done and take the next step because it is possible for you. There are lesser people doing what you want. There are lesser people achieving. People don't have the, the education or the background or the connections or anything else. And so you can too. So Kindia, thank you for sharing that. Now we, we look at a person like you and we say, my goodness, she's had every obstacle against her and she's found success, right? She's gotten into one of the top public schools in the country and she's going to finish with a master's degree and she's spoken at Google and Vanderbilt and Yale and all these great places. And she's, it's amazing, right? And so we look at somebody like you, Kendi, and we say, well, she has this magic about her that she can't fail, right? Everything she does, she's stepping in the right direction. She has a purpose. She knows where she's going and Therefore, it's easy, easier for her than maybe because she's wired that way and she just uh, she doesn't fail. Um, am I a liar? Uh, can you tell us about a time where, where maybe you failed and, and felt self-doubt, but you still had to move through it? Absolutely. Um, and that in no case is true. Like I am not perfect. None of us are. And even through these obstacles, there were so many trying times. And for me, I think that it's not a very specific instance but it's overall and everything that I've done. And it happens every year. It could happen every month where I fail myself. And when I say that, I mean, I've had times where I have done everything for everyone else. I'm on top of my schoolwork. I am doing community service. I'm running rampant and running myself dry. And when I come home, I'm sick and I'm tired and I'm hurting on the inside and not realizing that I failed to take care of myself. And it's like, we can do so much for others and forget that we have our, we're our own person to take care of. And I felt so much disappointment from sitting at home and being sick and now being behind in my work and not being able to do the things that I enjoy doing. And now I'm letting everyone else down because I didn't take a moment to myself and to sit and say, you know, well, have I eaten today? Have I exercised? What have I done positively to make sure that I'm a better person? How am I reflecting or meditating? And there have been so many times that I've just been in a pitfall or I've just been down and out. And in those moments, it makes me slack in other areas where now, I'm since I'm so rushed up and I'm sick, I have to catch up on assignments. So now my assignments aren't as quality as they would have been before if I would have taken care of myself. So there are moments where I have failed myself and it, ha and it always happens and it will happen to the best of us. And it just, 
it requires us to be mindful of the extent to which we go for others and if we go to that extent for ourselves. And I remember in high school, my um, during my senior year when my grandmother first passed, I was so just grief stricken and alone that I just stopped doing things. I started not going to sleep at night. I was up all night. I was reading. I would go to school and I did this physics test for my teacher, Mrs. Belfield. And I wrote the equations out for the physics test and I didn't even finish it. I just submitted it. She gave me a hundred points on the test, but then pulled me after class and said, you need to do better and you need to get yourself together. And in that moment of her just scolding me and saying, you know, this is not you. You are not putting forth your best effort. You need to do better and you need to get yourself together. It was sort of like the light went on and like the light bulb turned on in my head. And I said, you know what? This is not me. I had failed her as a student. I'm failing myself and I need to do better. And that automatically motivated me to get up and pull myself and pull my weight and do what I know that I was intended to do. You know, I've said that we all need a person in our lives who holds us to a higher standard than we believe we can attain. It sounds like, was it Mrs. Belfield you said? Yes. It sounds like she was one of those people for you. And I just, I'm a big believer that we all need that in our lives, not just when we're in school, but when we're out in the real world too. So I encourage the listener to to find those people who can hold you, those people in groups that you can join that that hold you to a higher standard than, than you might otherwise be able to attain or even believe that you can attain yourself. Kindia, I'm not sure if you've thought of this question before, but action items. My listeners like to walk away with something actionable, something they can do, something they can apply to their life in the next 24 or 48 hours to really start moving toward their goals or moving, moving, I should say, moving towards their goals despite the obstacles and the adversity and the reasons that they have and the excuses that they might use for themselves. Anything that you can offer, any action items or, or, or tips like that? Um, I'd say for in terms of I'd want to say excuses and just like navigation through things based off of who they are for excuses. I always say three than me. So write three things that are an excuse for something you want to do. And then for the me part, go back and look at how you can overcome each excuse and why it doesn't pertain to you and why it shouldn't be an excuse at all. Um, I do that quite often in terms of if I wake up and I'm like, I have a paper to write. Um, well, I'm tired, I'm hungry, and I don't feel like writing the paper. And it says, I can take that meat component and say, well, if I'm hungry, I can eat. If I'm tired, maybe I need to take a 30-minute nap. And if I don't feel like writing the paper, what do I need to do to motivate myself to write that paper? And oh, that wow. can be in every single element of life where it's three things, then me. Because, and it shows you also that anything that's put up against you, no matter what number, as you see, the ratios are three against one. Yeah. You can still plow through each of those because you're, you have that power to do so. Wow. So do you actually, do you actually do that whenever you kind of say, you know, I've got this paper and I don't feel like writing, I'm tired, I'm hungry and I don't want to write. You actually think of those things. Yep. And sometimes it's more than three things. Yeah. Um, I've had some days where I'm like, if I have monetary issues and I'm, I wake up, okay, I have to go to work because if I don't have money, I won't be able to provide for myself. But my excuses will be, well, I don't feel well. And I have to drive all the way to work and maybe I don't have gas in my car and I don't have money to get that gas. And it's 
you have to think about every obstacle that will come up and think about every way you can defeat it. Wow. And I do that every time I face something. If I feel like it's too hard or too much of a burden to bear. Wow. That is incredible. I've never heard that. What a powerful exercise. And navigation wise, um, I like to think that a lot of people don't take enough time to reflect on themselves. So I do, when I wake up in the morning, I get a little slip of paper and I will write down goals for the day. And it seems very like superficial, but when you actually sit down and write a goal, flip the paper over and write why that goal matters, how it matters in the long run, and how even if you don't get it done today, how you will manifest it. So if I wake up and say, you know, today I'm going to do something to take care of myself. That could simply be going and getting a milkshake. It doesn't have to be, oh, I'm going to do something big and life-changing. You just have to think about why things are meaningful for you. And in that reflection, it gives you a peace of mind to show you that in the long run, things will add up. And even the small things you do every single day make a difference. Wow. I'm floored. And for the for the listener, you've heard me say this before, you know, so many of the folks who I bring on this podcast with these amazing stories, you ask them about what helps them be successful and there's always some form of of pause. It's not doing, right? I didn't you know, when Kindia talked about what she does, she didn't say, well, I'm, I'm really good at writing papers. I'm, I have a great job and I go to work. And she said, well, what, what she does that helps her be successful and get through the hard times. And by the way, she, she just told you that some days she doesn't feel like going to work. Some days she doesn't feel like writing the paper, but she identifies that and says, okay, how can I combat this feeling and how can I rise above it? And this is a productive pause. And and for the listener, if you listen for any length of time, you know what a productive pause is. For, for the rookies out there, a productive pause is this. It's a short period of focused reflection around specific questions that leads to clarity of action and peace of mind. And these are two perfect examples of productive pauses. And I'm going to have those documented in the action plan. So make sure you grab your copy. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. Kindia, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story here. Thank you for allowing people listening and allowing others to listen. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's going to make a lot of impact in a lot of people's lives. And so certainly uh, uh, a lot of folks who I have on my website here, they have personal brands and whatnot. But uh, for those uh, for those who do want to connect with Kindia, uh, maybe on your LinkedIn page, they can find you on LinkedIn. Is that the best way for people to reach out to you or, or find you or learn more about your story? Yes. Uh, you can go through LinkedIn. Um, I also do a lot of emails. <laughs> I'm an, an avid emailer, so okay. my email is K as in kite, S as in snake, R as in rat, the number 8, F as in Frank, F as in Frank, at virginia.edu. So that's K-S-R-A-F-F at virginia.edu. Excellent. Amazing. And for anybody out there who's, uh, who's running an organization, you may want to bring Kindia in to speak because, man, she can, she can move mountains. So, Kindia, thank you again for making time to come on the show. And for the listener, until next time, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success. 